0: And I want to turn to two portions of Scripture from John's Gospel. I'm going to go first to a very well-known one. We probably all know it from whatever version we use. Off by art, John three, six, John 3, verse 16. And then from there we're going to go to John chapter 6, and <coughs> verses 60 to 69. And as usual, I'm using the English Standard Version. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We love that verse, don't we? It speaks of God's love. Speaks of his Son's sacrifice. And it speaks of the blessing of eternal life that comes to all who put their faith and trust in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. (coughs) And then we're going to go to John 6, verses 60 to 69. When many of his disciples, that's Jesus' disciples, The words that i have spoken to you are spirit and life but there are some of you who do not believe for jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him and he said this is why i told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the father after this many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, And yet one of you is a devil and he spoke of Judas the son of Simon Iscariot for he one of the twelve was going to betray him Simon Peter answered him Lord Lord it's you know they realize Lord they've gone but to whom else can we go? To who can we go? Because it's you alone who have the words of eternal life. My theme this morning is obviously about Jesus. But the theme, and I note that this isn't a proper word. I've made it up, but it fits in okay. The theme is about the one and the Onliness of jesus the one and onlyness of jesus in other words to use a proper word his uniqueness the one and only there are four things but we're not going to go through them all there's just one this morning but it'll lead to a quick uh, conclusion at the end on the other three concerning the one and onlyness or the uniqueness of jesus We find from the scriptures that I've read this morning, he is the one and only eternal Son of God. Secondly, he is the only saviour for the world. Thirdly, he is the only source for eternal life. And fourthly, he's the only one who can truly satisfy and I think that these are four important points that need to be echoed and re-echoed from pulpits around our nation and around the world today, that Jesus is the only way. He is the one and only Son of God, the only saviour for the world. He's the only source for eternal life and is the only one who can truly satisfy. And therefore, because Jesus is all of these four things that I've mentioned, he is the only one who is the one that I need. I need Jesus. He's the only one that you need. You, each one this morning, need Jesus. And he's the only one that the world needs. The world needs Jesus. And before I go into some more details, we're going to look. We're actually going to look at a lot of scriptures this morning. But before we get to that, I want to challenge this morning, and it's sad that there's only three, what we would call, of the younger folk here this morning, because I wanted to bring a challenge to the young people, the younger folk in our church. Uh, and this is the challenge I want to bring to you this morning, and it is this, that as young people, uh, you this morning, have the whole of your life ahead of you. Now, we're not guaranteed to know that we're going to live to into our 70s or our 80s or our 90s, but we all hope to, don't we? And so we'll use that as an assumption this morning that each of the young people this morning, you've got the whole of your life ahead of you. And in knowing that you've got the whole of your life ahead of you, I want to make it clear this morning on the authority of the Word of God that you only have two options. The first option is this. You choose to do life without Jesus. Go it alone. But the second choice is this. And the most sensible choice. And really the only sufficient choice. The proper choice. Is that you choose to do life with Jesus. We find it in the text that I've read there from John chapter 6. That Jesus in teaching those that were following him. And we know from that that there were more than the 12 disciples at this point. There were a lot of people that were following Jesus. And would claim to be his disciples. But Jesus began to talk to them about some things that seemed to be too hard to take too hard to understand in other words as Jesus was teaching them about what it was to follow him and to be his disciple he was teaching them things that they thought well really this is just too hard for me I can't do that I don't want to do that and so it says that some of them decided to walk away from him in other words they chose to do life without Jesus But thankfully, there were the 12, the others, who chose to walk with Jesus and to do life with Jesus, to remain with him because they had realized who Jesus really was and that he alone had the words of eternal life. So much so that when he said to them, are you going to go like the rest of them? They said, Who else can we go to? And the answer that was very clear then at that moment with Jesus and the disciples is still as clear 2,000 years later. We can go to no one else. There is no one else. For Jesus alone has the words of eternal life. And so to those that are younger in our congregation this morning, and I would love that others would listen to the video as well, the answer to the question I'm going to ask is this, what will you do? What will you do? What are you going to do? Are you going to do life without Jesus, or are you going to do life with Jesus? So you can choose to build your life upon and around the Lord Jesus Christ by accepting Him as your Saviour. That's the first step. We acknowledge that we're sinners. We acknowledge that we can't do anything about it ourselves. We acknowledge that Jesus is the Saviour. And so we come to Him and we accept Him as our Saviour and Lord. And the moment that we do that, what we are doing is we are placing our life into and onto a solid foundation. Or the alternative is you can choose to reject Jesus. And in rejecting Jesus, you're going to end up putting yourself into a situation where your foundation for life will be shallow and weak. And when the storms come in life, you're not going to stand. You're going to fall. Just like Jesus gave in the story of the men that build a house on the rock or on the sand. And for the young people, because... I've been there, I've gone through life, I'm in my 60s so I know what I'm talking about as much as any others that are older than me know what they're talking about. Life is going to challenge in many ways, many ways. (coughs) Some of them will be easy choices but some of them are going to be tough choices some of them are going to be extremely difficult choices and pressure and peer pressure and and everything else is going to come against you you're all going to face it as you begin to move into your older years and so you can choose to do it alone and let me assure you If you choose to do it alone, you're going to end up in a mess and you're going to end up going to a lost eternity in hell. Or you can choose to go with Jesus. You can be safe in him or you can be lost without him. See, the gospel message is not a message that is offering an easy life. Not at all. It's not offering... An easy life. Life will still have its challenges. But for an individual. That has accepted Jesus as Saviour. As the only life to live. As the only life that leads to a relationship. With God as our Father. We know that it's going to lead to eternal life. And as we commit our lives to him. We know. Because we've proven it that we will have his presence and will have his power with us as we go through life to help us to make the right choices and to go in the right direction. The alternative, just do it alone. So I base what I've said already In my confidence upon this fact that i believe that jesus is who he said he was and i believe that jesus is the one and only eternal son of god he's the only savior for the world therefore the only source for eternal life and so this morning i want us to look at the word of god and consider how we can understand and truly know that jesus is who he said he was the eternal son of god it's important to know this because this is a backbone to our christian faith and there are times when we will be challenged about this and we need to be able to explain tell people why we believe what we believe And essentially, first and foremost, it's because we believe Jesus was who he was, sent from God to be the Savior. The first thing we need to say is that Jesus has always been the Son of God. There is not any moment in time when Jesus became the Son. He always has been the Son of God. As we search through the New Testament, we'll discover a number of points. In Luke chapter 3, verse 23, we read there that it says there concerning Jesus that he was supposed or thought to be the son of Joseph. But we know different. He was the son of God. In Luke chapter 4, we read that after Jesus had read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, that it says there, and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son. And in one john, uh, in John 145, Philip says, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Well, they were only partly right. He was the adoptive father. He was his earthly father. But Jesus was the eternal son of. Of God, even before he was born, as a child, as a physical son to Mary. He was always the Son of God, already the Son of God, for he has always been with God and he's always been as God. We know the scripture so well from John chapter 1 in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know that the Word is speaking about Jesus. He has always been with God and as God. But then John goes on in verse 12 to say, And the Word became flesh. That means that the Word, who we now know as Jesus, became a baby. He became a child and he grew up as a man. So John says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. And what was the glory of this child that was born and this man that grew up? He goes on to say, glory as the only son, the only son from the father. And I add here because it fits with my theme that Jesus the son is the only saviour. Because John went on to say, and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. See, God didn't send him to become his son. He sent him as his son. So we find that before he was born, Jesus was declared to be the son of God. Luke chapter 1 verse 35 We know these accounts very well we Mm -hmm. talk about them perhaps more at christmas time when we come together to celebrate the christmas story but we know that the angel gabriel appeared both to joseph and mary and this is what it says in 135 and behold talking to mary you will conceive in your womb Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. The Son of God. Wow. Fancy being told that. You're going to have a baby. And the one that is going to be formed within you as a child. The one who will be born is the Son of God. And then when Jesus was growing up. So after his birth and growing up as a child, he identified himself as the Son of God by calling God his Father. And calling God his Father, he was thus making himself God's Son. And we know the account again when Mary and Joseph had gone up with Jesus to the temple. And afterwards they travelled a few days and they'd realised that Jesus was nowhere to be found. And they frantically began to search for him. And they had to make their journey back To Jerusalem and to the temple. And they find him. And there he is amongst the the church, the scribes, the Pharisees, all the religious folk. And he says to them when they ask him what he is doing. Why are you looking for me? This is a 12 year old child. Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? That's the modern versions. If you go to the old versions like the King James Version. It says... Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Now his earthly father was a carpenter. So he wouldn't have said, if he was referring to Joseph, I must be in my father's house. He would have said, I must be in my father's workshop. With a hammer and nails. But he didn't say that. Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business therefore 12 years old he was making it known i am god's son his eternal son and i'm here i've come as flesh to be about his business and thirdly in luke 321 and 22 we find that concerning who jesus was it was confirmed when he went through the waters of baptism In the Jordan, it says there that when all the people were baptised and when Jesus also had been baptised and was praying, the heavens were open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven imagine what it must have been to been gathered around the jordan at that moment as jesus has gone down in the waters and he's coming up and as he's coming up it says he's praying and the voice comes from heaven and loud and clear to all around to hear it you are my beloved son with you i am well pleased so the father declares him be his son and again in uh, in matthew 17 we have the story when jesus was transfigured with uh, the others and the three disciples were there and again a voice from the cloud said this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased but three more words followed on this occasion which i believe are so vital and so important to each and every one of us today, and these were the three words, listen to him, listen to him. Why? Because this, my son, is the one who has the words of eternal life. Listen to him. Then we find fourthly that even the devil knew that Jesus was the son of God. Luke chapter 4, we have there where Jesus was led into the wilderness for the temptations. And verses 2 and 9, the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God. Now, the devil wasn't, that wasn't a question of doubt. Not at all. He knew who Jesus was. So he's saying, come on then, prove it. I know who you are really, but prove it. Show it. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And then verse 9, And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. So the devil knows who Jesus really is. But then we go to Luke 4.41, later in the same chapter, And even the demons know or knew that Jesus was the Son of God. It says there, And demons also came out of many crying, you are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. So the demons knew. And then we find later that the disciples also acknowledged him as the Son of God. Matthew 16:16, when he'd asked the question, Who are people saying that I am? And they began to give all the answers. Well, some are saying you this one, some are saying you that one, and you know, they went through a different list. And, and Jesus just listened to all the answers. Then he's more direct to the disciples. But who do you say that I am? Come on. You've been with me. You've heard me and watched everything. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. But then throughout his ministry years, Jesus himself acknowledged that he was the Son of God. We've heard when he was in the temple at 12 years old. And as Jesus began at 32, began to preach and to teach and everything else, then we would have to say that he was either deluded in the claims that he made, or he was genuine in who he claimed to be. And we see the signs, we see the miracles, we see the healings, and we see the authoritative teachings that are evidence in itself that Jesus was not deluded, but he really was who he said he was, the Son of God. And in John 3 verse 2, it says that Nicodemus, who came to him by night, said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs unless God is with him if only Nicodemus knew. Not only was God with him, but he was God. He was the Son of God. And in John 5, 16 to 27, there's a conversation there that Jesus held with those who objected to what he was doing. And in the conversation, Jesus called God his Father. He made himself equal with God. He called himself the son who works with the father. And he said that the same honor that goes to the father should be given to him as the son. And in John 6, 40, we read that Jesus said, for this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. And in John 8, 48-58, he even declared that as the Son, he was also the I am. I'm equal with God because I am God. Again, we could add that if Jesus was deluded or a deceiver, why on earth would he state what he was stating about himself when he knew that the charge of blasphemy could be brought against him and with the penalty of death because of blasphemy and the charge was brought against him because he really was who he claimed to be and because they brought the charge against him he willingly went to the cruel death on the cross See, John 19, 7 says that when they began to find every argument and every reason to get rid of Jesus, he says, we have a law. And in making that statement, they're saying, you've got to do what the law says. You can't wriggle out of it. We have a law. And according to that law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. But the fact of the matter is that he was the Son of God. He wasn't making himself the Son of God. He was the Son of God. So the accusation was a false accusation to say that he was making himself the Son of God. He was. And he went. And he willingly died. Not because of anything he had done, not because of anything he had said, or declared, and not because of anything that he made himself to be, but he went because we are sinners. He died as the Son to be our Saviour and to give to us, to offer us salvation. See, as the Son, Jesus talked about his Father's will. He talked about his Father's house. He talked of going to his Father. He talked of asking his Father. He talked of being sent from his Father. He talked of being loved by his Father. He talked of being glorified by his Father. And while dying on the cross, he committed his spirit into the hands of his Father. And after he died, while still hanging on the cross, he was declared to be the Son of God. It says in Matthew 27, 54, when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. They realised. They realised. And after he had been buried, he proved himself further to be the son of God by rising from the dead. Romans 1, 1 1-4 says, as Paul is talking as a servant of Jesus Christ, writing this letter about the gospel of God, he says about concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. And who was he talking about? He went on to say, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we can't get away from it. As we search through the New Testament, as we search through the Word of God, it is a word of truth. And it declares very clearly that Jesus was who he said he was. (coughs) And what he did shows that he came to do what he said he had come to do. He had come as the Son of God, to be our Saviour and to grant us eternal life. And so I return to where I started. I appeal to the young people this morning, but I appeal to everyone that is here today with a simple question. Do you know Jesus? In other words, have you come to accept Him as your Lord and Saviour? Do you know Him personally. See with all that I've been sharing this morning you could go out of here and you could almost, if you want to recite what I've said but all you'd be doing is saying you know about him. You know about him. But it's more than that. It's coming to know him. To know him personally as our saviour and Lord. Jesus very clearly is who he came to be. He very clearly came to be the only way to the Father. He clearly made the way open to the Father by going to the cross and being raised from the dead. He is the only source for eternal life. There's no way around it. He is the only source for eternal life. He is the only source (coughs) for salvation. And the play that comes from my heart And I know it's the plea that will come from the heart of God this morning is this. Will you accept who Jesus was? Will you accept why he came into this world? Will you acknowledge this morning that you are a sinner that needs saving? And that Jesus is the one that can save you. By coming to accept what he's done for you. And going to the cross at Calvary. Going back to the very beginning of where I shared. You've got the choice this morning. You do life alone and without Jesus, or you choose to do life with Jesus, with him, allowing him to lead you and guide you, to be with you, and to know that the end result is eternal life in his presence.